welcome to the Elevate Live podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. I really am. I'm so glad and, and privileged to, you know, to be a part of this church because the, the church of Jesus Christ really, we believe, is the hope of the world. And that's why we're in this room, because we believe there's something special about when God's people gather together uh, in the midst of whatever's happening in our world and whatever's going on. And we're talking about the wonder of hope um, in this series. But I just want to, I want to take a second here, just kind of at the beginning of this brief time that we'll have together and just thank you for being the hope of the world because that's what the church is. And the church is not a place. The church is not a building. There's beautiful buildings. There's beautiful churches like ours. But we believe that all the buildings and all the things that we do represent who we are. When Jesus used the word church in the New Testament, it just meant gathering. And uh, we're gathering of people. We're trying to figure it out. And in the midst of our imperfection, in the midst of, of, of what we're trying to figure out in our own personal lives, God's really using us. And I think that's special. So I think it's wonderful for you to stand and give yourself a big round of applause for, be, for being the church. And I'm so grateful for you. So we're going to talk about the wonder of hope. Um, but before we do that, I just, I just want to pray. So God, we just, we just thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for who you are. I thank you that a word from you can change our life. Uh, we all have walked in here and we all have individual unique lives and experiences and stories that you're telling through us and in us. And so God, I pray that today it wouldn't even be about anything that's even said or communicated from this platform. But God, you've got us as your captive audience right now. And Thank you that you created us so you can speak to us uh, regardless of how good or bad the person on stage does. In your name we pray. <laughs> Amen. Um, so we're going to talk, talk about hope a little bit. And uh, I, want you to, um, I want you to go to uh, Luke chapter 1 in your Bible. The title of my message today is I Doubt It. And... Um, I want to I start by talking with talking about a guy that said that in the Bible by the name of, of Zechariah. And, uh, and so go to Luke chapter 1 if you have your Bible. If you don't, that's fine. If you'd like message notes, we have those on the YouVersion app. And we have those um, online on live.elevate.life. Uh, I guess we've committed at this point not to do paper notes for the foreseeable future. I'm sorry for those of you that are used to paper notes, but it's almost 2020, and uh, we felt like, you know, now's the time. So, <laughs> anyway, so I'm not going to read this whole passage of Scripture, but this is just the context for what we're talking about today. In this story, there's two people, one's named Zachariah, one's named Elizabeth, and they're both married, and they were both descendants of the priestly order which is a big deal in scripture. The, the priests were the people that in ancient Jewish culture would go make the sacrifices for the entire nation and for all the people to get them right with God because before Jesus, um, every, you had to get forgiveness for the whole nation by making a sacrifice. And that's why Christians, we believe that Jesus, the, the birth of Jesus and the story of Jesus is so important because he is the final and ultimate sacrifice for our sin. But before the time of Jesus, what would have to happen, uh, those of us that don't know, it's important that you know this, what would have to happen is the priests would have to go every so often and they'd have to go make a sacrifice for the entire nation. 
And so Zechariah was a priest. His wife Elizabeth was, Elizabeth was descended uh, from priests. And so they knew a whole lot about God. And that's relevant to this story because they were old. And uh, I'm not, you know, conjecturing that. The Bible says they were old people. And they had been believing to have a kid for a really long time and prayed and believed. And, you know, sometimes you have these things maybe in your life that you pray and believe for so long and kind of stop and forget about praying for them because you get older and you're like, man, I guess that's never going to happen for me. Um, but we're talking about hope today. And so I want to I pick up in this story of Zechariah. And um, they didn't have any kids or anything like that. Really wanted a kid. Zechariah, in verse 11, he goes into this place that in, in the New Living Translation, it's called the sanctuary, but it's the Holy of Holies. And, and what I want you to get for the, for the perspective of the Holy of Holies is it wasn't a big room in the temple. It was like a, more of like a three by three foot space where Jews believed that the presence of God dwelt in that space. And so only the priests could go in there and make a sacrifice. And so Zechariah is in this very special place and he's making a sacrifice to God. And all of a sudden in, in verse 11 is where we'll pick up and I'll read a little bit. It says, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. Now, now here's why he's overwhelmed with fear. Priests in that time had to wear bells um, on their clothing um, not only as a, as a sign to God, different things that that meant, but also so that people would know if the bell stopped clanging that God had killed the priest. And because uh, priests had to be clean, cleanliness was a big deal to God in, in that period in history. And so Zechariah in this moment is probably thinking, oh my gosh, God's going to kill me now. And the angel shows up. Zechariah's afraid. The angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son. And you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Then verse 18 happens. Now, I, I want to get to verse 18 in just a second, but imagine if you and I are in a very, and you might be sitting in this room and you might not be a Christian, but we're in a very somber, holy moment. An angel appears to us, talks to us, tells us all this stuff we believe, we've been believing for, whatever that is for you, is going to happen. Um, our response would probably be like, wow, God, thank you. That's so amazing. Unbelievable. An angel's talking to me right now. Well, Zechariah, his response was not that. His response was something along the lines of, I doubt that. He said, uh, it says, Zechariah said to the angel in verse 18, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Like, bro, you're talking to an angel right now. That's, you know, if God can make an angel appear to you, I'm sure you can get your old wife pregnant. Anyway, I'm just thinking in 2019 language, not. <laughs> then the angel said, this angel says to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you'll be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. In uh, 
verse in the message version, here's, here's kind of the way that, the, that uh, Eugene Peterson describes it. The angel said, I am Gabriel, the sentinel of God, sent especially to bring you this glad news, but because you won't believe me, you'll be unable to say a word until the day of your son's birth. Every word I've spoken to you will come true on time, God's time. So just understand, we have to understand the context of this verse. An angel appears to this guy, right? I don't know, maybe you're very spiritual and angels talk to you all the time and you know, um, it might be a normal occurrence for you, but for most of us, rational human beings living in the world today, we don't just converse with uh, heavenly beings face to face. And so this angel comes down and he looks at Zachariah and he's like, you're going to have a son. Everything you've been praying for is going to happen and more. Gives him this whole prophetic word about who John, who we know now know as John the Baptist is going to be. And Zachariah looks at him and he's like, yeah, but you know, I don't think so. Have you seen Elizabeth? Like I'm very old, you know, I don't see that happening. And so here's, here's why this is, this is really significant in the context of this story. Okay, priests in that era in history were given the power by God to bless or curse the entire nation of Israel. So a priest's internal hope, doubt, struggle, difficulty, personal life had a huge effect on not just their family, it had a huge effect on the entire nation. So in my opinion in this story, what happens is God... Uh, what, 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 what would happen, before I get into my opinion, what would happen is a priest would go into the Holy of Holies, they would make a sacrifice, they would do the things that they needed to do, and they would come out from the temple and they would bless the nation of Israel. They would give a blessing or a prayer or something like that. So all the people, the Bible goes on to say in the story, all the people are waiting outside for Zechariah. They're standing in this huge area in the Temple Mountain. They're, they're waiting outside for Zechariah to speak a blessing and he can't talk. And uh, I feel like, and we're going to get into this today, I feel like because of Zechariah's own doubt and his own lack of hope in his personal life, God prevented him from speaking that doubt over an entire nation. And so you and I might not be priests in this room. We might not have a priestly role, but each one of us are leaders in our family. We're leaders in our job. We're leaders with our kids. And sometimes we just need to stop saying, I doubt it, and just shut up so that we don't curse our families with our own lack of belief. And um, not saying that, not saying that to be critical, but hope really does matter. And I, wanna, and I wanna get into that today, but I wanna talk about what that means. So what does doubt mean? This is the dictionary definition for doubt. To doubt something means to be uncertain about, to consider questionable or unlikely, or to hesitate to believe. So we all know what the word I doubt it means. Uh, if you're like me, you like to use the word allegedly a lot. And what I mean by that is someone will tell me about something great that someone else is doing or, you know, something that someone said or, you know, some future thing that's going to happen. And I'll go, yeah, allegedly, right? So some of you, you believe that you still believe, believe against belief, you hope against hope that tomorrow we're going to wake up and the dinar is going to happen, right? Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. It's okay. You don't need to know because it's probably not going to happen. So in, in, in these conversations, like allegedly, like, you know, when, when the dinar thing was really big, at, like 10 years ago, uh, every day was like another day where if you're like, they're going to the bank today and they're going to they're going to value it in the government, whatever. It's not hadn't happened uh, yet. So if you have dinar, you just feel free to wallpaper your house with it. 
That's about all it's probably good for. Anyway, so, so here's, here's how we would define hope in the context of our life, okay? In the context of culture, this is how we, this is how we view hope. We view hope with shades of uncertainty associated with a desired outcome, so wishful thinking. Like, I hope that it works out. So like, I hope that the denial works out. But that's a sarcastic statement, because you're not hoping, you're just clowning somebody, all right? It's like, bless your heart, but a different version of it. <laughs> I hope, I hope it works out for you, hopefully, right? So, or we, or we live our life and we say, hopefully I get the job. Hopefully my marriage works out. Hopefully my kids, whatever. Hopefully this, hopefully that. And we associate culturally, especially in America, we associate hope culturally with wishful thinking. So hope is just wishful, wishful thinking uh, to me. Um, but that's not what hope is. There's a lot of definitions for hope and we're probably gonna get into that next week. Um, but this is just really simple, biblical definition for hope. I want to give to you. So a desire of some good with an expectation of obtaining it. There's a, very, there's, a very, there's a very different thought process between what the Bible says hope is and what we think hope is in the culture. Hope in our mindset is, okay, I, I wish and I believe and I hope this is, is going to work out. Right? Hope biblically is, oh, I expect it's going to work out. Fine. It's going to be great. It's going to be good. Now, most of us probably don't live with that, live with that context because we at some point heard somebody say or we read some blog post by some pessimistic person that said, hey, if you live your life with low expectations, you'll never be disappointed. That's foolishness, stupid. Don't do that. That's not what the Bible says to do. It's not what God says to do. That's not the story that God is trying to tell through us. Like, hey, just have low expectations out of life. Have low expectations out of yourself. Have low expectations of the future. Don't really expect anything good to happen uh, because life is meaningless. That's not, that's not the way God wants us to live. But in our culture, we end up living that way. So we think that in, 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 some, in some way, having a hope or having an expectation for the future only sets us up for disappointment. Now that doesn't mean that disappointments aren't gonna come, but your expectations out of the future for your life really do matter. They really matter. So biblical hope, if you and I call ourselves Christians, if we call ourselves Christ followers, if we're really trying to live life God's way, I wanna encourage you to have expectations. Have really high expectations. Well, first of all, out of yourself, right? All of us know what, it, what it's like when you know, someone expects a lot out of us, but they don't expect a lot out of themselves. So let's not be that way. Let's expect a whole lot out of ourselves. Let's expect a whole lot out of our future. Because here's what happened in the story of Zechariah. He underestimated God at his own risk. I mean, this guy was a priest. He knew all that there was to do about God. He knew all the stories about what God had done in the nation of Israel and what God had done through his people. He knew of the faithfulness of God. Well, in his own life, in his own mindset, he was like, oh, I don't know. I mean, the angel's talking to him face to face. And he's, he's like, I don't know, God. I don't, how do I know this is going to happen? And uh, basically the angel says, well, you just shut up and you're going to see it happen. I'm going to prevent you from speaking against your own thing that I just said was going to happen. You know, and, and the story goes on and continues. And you can read the rest of Luke chapter 1 and see how that works out. But sometimes in our life, why do, we, why, why do I say at your own risk? Where does hope come from? Where does hope come from in our life? Um, Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he's talking to them uh, about what they say. So in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus says, you brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak 
what is good and right. For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word that you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Proverbs chapter 18 tells us death and life are in the power of the tongue. James chapter one says that our tongue is like a rudder that steers the ship of our life. Jesus said earlier in scripture, he says, he says, if I speak to a mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, then it'll happen. Some of us live our life and we don't think that what we say matters very much. But what you say comes out of your heart. And so why did God make Zechariah be quiet? Because in his heart, he doubted what was being said. And what, what happened out of the abundance of the heart is what Jesus says, Matthew chapter 12. What's in your heart will determine what you say. So you and I might sit here and you might be a little bit more like me, a little bit more cynical, sarcastic, whatever. And there's a lot of really great, you know, articles and blog posts out there about how people that are sarcastic and cynical are, you know, somehow smarter than everybody else. But that doesn't mean that they're living a better life. It's like, oh, I'm smarter than you. And I'm also more negative about everything. Right? It's like, it's not good to be cynical. It's not good. It's not a, it's not a spiritual gift. It's not helpful to the world for a bunch of cynics to be walking around questioning everything. Saying, ah, I don't know if that's going to work out. I don't know about that. I don't know about this. Hopefully it's going to work out for you. Allegedly that's going to happen. I doubt it. Jesus said, the Bible tells us, Proverbs chapter 18, James, all of that. What you and I say really does matter. And what, what comes out of our heart is what we speak. And so Zechariah in this story, it wasn't even about what he said. It was about what he said that came from his heart that was unbelieving. And God had to stop his unbelief from getting in his own way of his, of his promise happening. So where does hope come from? I just want to give you some practical thoughts. Talked about scripture a little bit and about this, this story. It's important. It's vitally important that we have hope. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I encourage you to read this chapter of scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, at the end, the Bible says, now, now three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And so faith, hope, and love are three things that are permanent. And we'll talk about that a little bit next week. But faith, hope, and love have to work together. Like if you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to be a Christian in our context, you have to have hope. Hope is not a, not a, it's not something you can negotiate. It's not okay to be cynical. It's not okay to be critical. It's not okay to think that tomorrow is going to be worse than today. We can't afford to do that because we are supposed to have hope on the inside of us. Jesus says that the church is the hope of the world. Yet so many of us who call ourselves Christian, Christians walk around and we live hopeless and we have hopeless lives. But we're a part of this thing that's supposed to be the hope of the world. Like each one of us has been created and gifted uniquely by God and we're meant, we're meant to change the world. But if we don't believe we can do it, it doesn't even matter. Right. It doesn't even matter, why? Because where does hope come from? The first thing is how we see, interpret, and speak about memories of the past. So my question for you today is how's your life been up to this point? What's your past like? Well, you know, life really sucked for me for a long time. Still kind of sucks, but really sucked a long time ago when I was growing up. And, 
oh man, hard life and hard this and hard that and difficulty and difficulty and difficulty and pain and pain and pain and lack of hope and struggle and all that. It's a lot of our story. The world we live in is a very hopeless world. Even in America, we're the most blessed nation in the world. We live in one of the most wealthy times in history that's ever been. And there's still stuff to just, oh, it's so awful and whatever, right? This is the context that we're living our life in. Pastor Keith, one of the, one of the most significant messages in my own life that I feel like, um, um, not just in the context of me and my dad's relationship, but in terms of really learning what it is that he speaks about in, in Your Divine Fingerprint, he talks about defining moments. And this really, this really changed my life. Um, that a lot of us have defining moments in our life that we just let the situation define itself. But you and I have the power to define what moments mean for us. So someone might have meant harm for you, but you can choose to see that, to see the good in whatever situation that you've come from. Because what creates your hope in your life, the first thing that creates it, is how you decide to speak about and believe about what's happened to you before. Then the second thing is how do we understand, perceive, and speak about our present? How do you talk about your life today? Is it going good? Having a good time? Enjoying life? Grateful to be with your family on Thanksgiving? You know, how's everything happening? You know, some of us, we've, we've gotten maybe gotten bad news. We've gotten rough diagnoses. And the, and the present that we live in can be so difficult. And we can live with disappointment. And... Um, but then what happens is, is hope is a prediction of our personal future based on how we decide to see our past and our present. So what that, what that means is that some of us in this room, we're probably sitting here and we probably don't feel any hope. Probably it's a struggle for us to have hope for our future. Well, I would, I would implore you and encourage you that the reason why you feel that way is because of how you perceive your past and your present. Because hope is a prediction of your future based on your past and your present. So if I see my past in a negative light, if I see my present in a negative light, then I will most certainly see my future in a negative light. But we have to be the ones that choose to see the positive in the future and choose to see the positive in our present and choose to see the positive in our past. And it really matters what we say. So some of us have this narrative that we've been telling ourselves and been telling other people about how hard it's been and about how much of a struggle that we constantly live under. And we don't realize that by doing that and by saying that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we're creating a hopeless future for ourselves that's just filled with more struggle. That doesn't mean that if you just start speaking hopeful and speaking positively that you'll never be disappointed again. But it does mean that if, if you and I decide to get on the positive side of life, disappointments and struggles and all that kind of stuff won't derail us. It won't derail our hope. It doesn't need to derail our hope. So many people, they live hopeless because, oh man, this thing. Like think about Zachariah in this story. He had prayed and believed him and Elizabeth both. They knew how to pray. They knew how to do all the stuff with God. They had believed, they had hoped. In the past, it didn't work. In the present, it didn't work. And so Zachariah is looking at that angel in the face. And even though he's looking at an angel in the face, he's saying to the angel, well, you know, in the past, it didn't work. In the present, it didn't work. So in the future, it's probably not gonna work either. So the angel has to say, hey, like, I'm not gonna let you talk anymore because we've decided this is happening kind of with or without you. I just need you to go do one thing for me. We'll take care of the rest, right? So 
and that doesn't require talking. Anyway, anyway, that's all. Sorry if you have to explain that to your children. <laughs> so, so, so we have to understand how we have to see life because hope is a non-negotiable for us. So here's my prescription for hope. Not a doctor, I'm a pastor, so I can give you a prescription for how to have hope in your life. Talk better and pray more. This, like, I, I just wanna give you some practical stuff today. You know, as we live our lives, how do you, how do you have hope? You gotta talk better and you gotta pray more. So what does it mean to, to, to talk better? Doubtful speech. So if you find yourselves doing any one of these things, um, do not expect hope in your future. Don't be negative. Like, well, well that's, if we wanna have doubt, be negative, be critical, be dishonest, be judgmental, and be fake. That's how to have doubt. So the way to have doubt is just go, oh, I'm not sure it's gonna work out. I don't know how it's gonna go. The last thing any of us want around us when we're believing for a positive outcome is for, you know, like I always use this analogy, but it's true. Sometimes people pray for people in hospitals. They're like, God, we just pray according to your will that it's, if, if it's your will that they die, then just let them die. It's like, that is the worst. Never invite that person around. They have zero faith, zero belief. It's a, it's a like, God, your will is that they're healed. You're, we're going to believe all the way. We're going we're gonna to 100% this thing because your word says in Isaiah chapter 53 that Jesus took 39 stripes to his back. And I'm going to pray according to your will. So some people go, some people that I grew up with, like in Christian circles, it's like, oh, well, you just got to pray according to God's will. Maybe some people know that better than I do. I'm just going to pray by everything. I'm just going to pray what I want. And maybe at some point what I want is going to line up with what God wants. If it doesn't, whatever, I'll be okay, I guess. I'll be fine but I'm going to pray the positive things. I'm not going to pray cynical prayers. Like, oh, man, you know, maybe, God, if you feel like showing up, then, you know, it'd be nice. Like, God, you know, having this struggle in my marriage and whatever, you know. What? Why even? Anyway. Hopeful speech. What does it mean to, what does it mean to be hopeful? Kind, positive, honest, loving, and authentic. Be real, not, not, not fake. It's not about having this, this, you know, some people say, oh, you got to faith it till you make it. For sure. But you got to live your life with an expectation. So faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Faith or hope is an expectation that good things are going to happen. Faith is the confidence that's, that this expectation is going to happen. So I gotta have hope and faith working together. It's not enough for me to have an expectation. I gotta have confidence. If I'm believing for healing, I'm confident I'm gonna be healed. I'm gonna do everything I know I need to do. I'm gonna make everything happen that I need to make happen. But I have a confidence in that because then I will live in love, which is my faith and hope expressed. And we'll, we'll get into that a little bit um, next week. But you and I have to live with hope. If you call yourself a Christ follower, and I'm, and I'm working on this in my own life. Like I've lived my life um, feeling like it's okay to be cynical about things. And because uh, you know, I just had like a little bit more dry personality. Um, people call it dry humor. I'm not trying to be funny. It's like really just the way that I think. And uh, which a lot of times is weird. I appreciate sometimes when you laugh, sometimes people are going, well, that's a weird thing to say. I understand that. I totally admit my eccentricity freely and publicly. Uh, but but we don't have the right or the opportunity as Christ followers to not be hopeful. We have to live with an expectation. 
We have to live with an expectation that great things are going to happen. Great things are going to happen in our family. Great things are going to happen in our business. Great things are going to happen in our country because I'm alive and I'm here to change the world. I'm here to change my world. I'm here to change myself. I'm here to make things better because I'm here because I'm supposed to bring that hope. I'm supposed to be a hope bringer that, that in every circumstance, in every situation, because you and I are going to have disappointments. We're going to have difficulties. We're going to have stuff that we go through that we didn't imagine and we didn't plan for all that different kind of stuff. But hope is really me having a confidence that God is telling a great story and he's going to tell a great story and he's going to tell a great story through my life. And God wants good things for me. Maybe you grew up and maybe you have this context of a relationship with God as if God does not want good things for you. The Bible is filled with the promises of God for us that happened back then, but that God wants to make happen for us today. Some of us, and you've grown up in church, some of us have, have received in our life prophetic words and things that have been spoken over us. And we, we struggle to, to believe that because it's not our timing, right? Some of us, maybe, maybe you're, you're like Zachariah and Elizabeth in this story and you're like, man, I've been praying to have kids and I've been praying to have a kid and I'm 65 years old and I don't see that happening. Why not? He did it for them. He did it for them. Like, and that's New Testament. Some people go, oh, that's Old Testament. That's the way God used to work. This is in the New Testament. This is the new part. This is the new covenant. God still wants to do stuff like that. Can we be people that live with an expectation in spite of our disappointments, in spite of the things that discourage us, in spite of the things that bother us about other people? What I've seen in my life is as people get older, they have less and less hope. They have, le they have less and less hope for the future. And if, and if <laughs> what I've seen in church is as people get older, all of a sudden they get focused on the rapture. Like, oh, well, you know, it doesn't matter. Jesus is coming back soon. <laughs> That's been like that for generations. Like, well, I'm, you know, Jesus is going to come back. It's like, no, you're going to meet him before he comes back. You're like 95 years old. I'm sorry. There's not 60 years left on the clock for you. Maybe, potentially, whatever. What am I saying? Things aren't going to get better when Jesus comes back. Things are going to get better when we have a better expectation of the future and when we start living with a little bit of hope. And what I've seen in the church world is the only hope that some people have is hopefully Jesus will come back someday. Like, I don't want that to happen. I want to go to Japan someday. I want to see that. Like, I used to, when, I was a, when I was a kid, you know, some of y'all, y'all maybe didn't grow up in church. When I was growing up in church, we were people always talking about the rapture. I was like, I have to get married first. <laughs> I used to pray. I used to pray when I was a kid, God, please don't let the rapture happen before I get married. <laughs> I digress. Let's be these people that, that, that patiently wait on God because God's got timing. God's got timing for each one of us. And I know all of us wish that we were like in this boardroom of heaven and that we could vote on how the plan of God works in our lives and all that different kind of stuff. But here's what Psalm 27 says. And I just want to encourage you with this as we end today. David said, yet I'm confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. So be brave and courageous. Why, why does he say that? Why does he say, I'm confident that I will see God's goodness here in the land of the living? We've talked about it a little bit in the peace series. Some of us believe that the only peace people will get is after they're dead. 
Like a lot of people, I know I'm being funny about the rapture, but a lot of people, a lot of people believe, well, it's only going to get better when Jesus comes back. I don't believe that. I don't buy into that. I think that God has, God has purposed us for such a time as this to make the world a better place, to make our world a better place, to live with an expectation, to live with a hope that, that things are going to get better. My personal future is going to be better than my past. The, the future of this country, the future of the world is going to be better than the past. We believe. We believe all the way that world hunger can be solved that people not having access to clean drinking water, those things can get fixed if we just will live with hope, if we just will live in expect, with an expectation that, God, you want to use me. You want to use me in the world today. And I know you want to do that. And some of us need to just understand, you know, you might feel small. You might feel disappointed by your own life. You might, whatever, whatever. Just start understanding that God has created you and I with a unique fingerprint to leave an imprint nobody else can leave on the world. And the only way you and I can leave a big enough fingerprint is if we live with hope. And if we live with an expectation, not like hopefully, not wishful thinking, but we got to know in our knower, we got to know in our knower that our future is going to be better. And I'm going to choose to see my present. I'm going to choose to see my past as if it's telling a great story for my future. And yes, I've been disappointed. Yes, I've had discouragement. Yes, I'm going to have stuff in the future that continues to do that. But that's not going to affect what's in here. And so it's not going to affect what, what comes out of my mouth. Because what I say is what steers my life. So talk better and pray more. Some of us... Um, And this is kind of where I want to end. Some of us, we don't pray about anything. The Bible says to pray about everything. Or some of us feel like that, you know, prayer is like this really high art form of spirituality. It's really not. It's just having a conversation with God. I pray about everything because I don't know what God's will is for my life. So God, I'm just going to pray about all this stuff, all these things I'm anxious about, all these things I'm concerned with, all, all the stuff that I'm struggling with and holding on to and whatever, whatever. God, I'm just going to pray about it. The Bible says to pray about everything. So pray about everything. Pray about your cynicism. Pray about the lack of hope that you have. Pray about your past. Pray about your present. Pray that God would, would elevate you. Pray that God would help you have more hope for your future. Help, help, pray that God would help you have an expectation. God wants to do that. So can you just, can you just everyone in this room, can you just bow your heads and, and close your eyes, eyes with me? I, I want to I give you an opportunity. Uh, because I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm done talking. Uh, but some of us that are in this room, you know, I've talked a lot to uh, Christians today. And uh, some of us in, that are in this room, regardless of what's been said on this platform or, or what's happened in this room, um, some of us just know that we're not in the, in the right place with God. And this is just a moment for us. And um, we have some things to get to here in, in the service. Uh, but I want to give you an opportunity to make a decision. Now, this is not just purely an emotional decision. This is a rational decision because you've felt like in your heart, in your knower, like I said, that God's been tugging on you today. Maybe he's been tugging on you in your life. And you just got to do what we say, and that's make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. What does that mean? Just give him your heart. Let him, let him flood your heart with his hope and with his peace. And it's something only, it's something only we can have for God, from God. Because we don't base our hope on our past. We don't base it on our present. We believe in the future because we know and we have a confidence that God's telling a great story through us. And it's not enough for us to just decide that. We have to lean on God and trust in him. The Bible says 
Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. And so we trust in God and we lean not to our own understanding. And right now there might be some of you in this room or some of you that are watching online or whatever, you just haven't trusted him enough. You haven't given him your whole heart. You haven't given him your whole life. I don't, I don't know what that means for you as an individual, but we just want to give you an opportunity. And we're not going to do anything weird, uh, but I just want to count you in a prayer. So if that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to put your hand up and say, I need Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. I need to trust God with my whole heart. I need to have a right relationship with him. You feel like God's been dealing with you on that. Is there anybody else? Just want to give you an opportunity. I'm not going to count to three or anything like that. If that's you, just put your hand up. And we're going to pray together. You can put your hands down. What I, want everyone that can do, what I want everyone that can hear my voice to do is just pray this prayer and repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. I give you my life. Thank you for your hope. In your name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way, you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.